Today on the show, I'm happy to have Ashley Groves. He's a CEO and founder of Diaglo, where they're helping you invest without borders. So you left a pretty cushy position as a foreign exchange broker to jump into entrepreneurship. So what inspired it? What's the experience been like? Oh, great, great question. No one's ever asked me that, actually. It was very cushy. I'll say that I worked very hard to get to that stage. There's actually a couple of really pivotal moments in my career. One of them, I've actually written a blog piece on it, and I'll, I'll put the link in when I've actually published it so, you, so your listeners can read it. I set up a e-cigarette company whilst I was working as an FX broker or an FX salesperson, and it was with my then-girlfriend, now-wife, and we put $5,000 of our own money in it, and it was such a huge life lesson for me. I had, I've never smoked, never cared for smoking, but watching one of my friends smoke an e-cigarette for the first time, I was like, this is the future, 100% future. So that night I went home, set up a, an e-cigarette company with my girlfriend or now wife, and we went in and bought 3000 e-cigarettes. And the light lesson to fast forward to the end was that I'm not good at selling e-cigarettes. There's a lot of things around logistics that come into that. And I competing with the, uh, the two brands at the time, uh, me peddling e-cigarettes in a backpack to bodegas across New York, that it's just not my skill set. It's not something that I've done. It's not my experience. And literally drawing a line underneath it and saying, I failed at that and I'm not good at that. And I'm really good at foreign currency sales. It was such a huge FX risk management, 100%. And I became the best at what I could be. So I became an incredible FX salesperson because I worked on my salesmanship. I worked on tonality. I worked on listening and empathizing with the client and understanding them and not selling them what I had, but selling them what they needed. And that was a huge life lesson for me. And that really took my sales to the next level. Once I got to the point where I felt like I completed FX sales, that's when I got really bored. And it wasn't that I, I tried sales management. I tried to put business plans in front of my, my, my managers and it was a no. And I knew that I was, I wouldn't say destined for more, but I really felt like I wasn't getting enough from the company for the loyalty that I'd shown them. So really what it came down to was that if they're not going to back me, I'm going to have to back myself because I'm just too bored to stay there. So after the third time of them turning down my business plan, I said, listen, I'll sign a partnership with you, no hard feelings, and I, I, but I want to leave. And I signed an exit package with them. It was really a blessing in disguise because they paid me out 15 months on the, my previous commissions and work that I'd done. And that allowed me to found Diaglo. I was able to pay my co-founders a proper salary. And we then built Diaglo in a really comfortable way. And it was actually perfect because I got paid like a monthly stipend from, from my former company. And so I couldn't spend it all at once on a nice big holiday, for example, or a big flashy tech platform. So I had to build it on a bootstrap from day one. And because I'm a salesperson, I was able to sell the product and get to break even pretty quickly. And for me, from that point, I was able to really, justify decisions and ultimately move the company forward. So it's very strategic the way that we actually rolled the company out. And, and a lot of it goes down to how we were funded in the beginning. And as I said, sticking to what I think that was a huge learning curve for me. I'm not an, an e-cigarette salesman. I am an FX salesperson. I, I stuck to my strengths and I think that's why Diablo has been so successful. And the truth is we can be so creative as well with it. And I think that's the bit that really excites me now that we can utilize these tools like AI, machine learning, and really focus on the user experience, something that my previous company just simply didn't, didn't get. And that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur, I think. You get to be so much more creative. 
How long did it take you to really, truly develop that FX sales expertise? You said you really were focused for a bit. Yeah. So another great question. I would say probably, I, I truly do believe in, in, in the, the power of seven. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but every seven years you go through a leap. I would say that it took me seven years of pure practice. And you could argue the 10,000 hour thing as well works there as well. But I would say seven years of doing one thing incredibly well and getting better and better and better. You know, I focus on FX sales. That's how detailed I believe you should be in actually doing it. And again, obviously FX sales has different aspects to it. There's a sales piece of it, which we talked about psychology, empathy, great questioning. Yes, of course. But then I had to also understand what hedging was for each different industry vertical that I was going into. I had clients like Protect the Leap. I had clients like Manchester United. I had clients completely separate German manufacturers, right? Multinational corporations. Yes, but all with their own kind of flavor of FX risk, different tenors, different currency pairs. All of that needs to be taken into consideration as well. And that's what allows you to be a specialist. And when you become an expert at something, it actually doesn't feel like selling anymore ironically. But yeah, I would say seven years is the, is the magic number. And you'll see that a lot in life, right? So ages 21, when you've graduated college, that those first seven years, you're learning, you know, how to work and honestly becoming an expert at your job in those times. And of course it changes, right? If you don't like the job that you're doing and you find that out at 25 or 28 or 32, and you want to take another kind of stab at another career, you can, but know that you have to put another seven years in, I think, to get to where you want. It's good to know that it's not an overnight process. <laughs> it, it takes dedication, right? One of the things that I really, truly believe in, for your listeners, say, I didn't finish university. I quit after a year, but I didn't stop learning. A lot of people say, oh, you quit education as well. No, absolutely not. I just figured out what works best for me from a learning perspective, and it wasn't a classroom. You're finding the best way to, to learn for yourself, and that takes... Sometimes you get lucky like I did and I figured it out myself. Sometimes you take mentorship. Sometimes you might need to hire outside help to help you find that kind of rhythm when it comes to your learning. But for me, it's apps like Blinkist, which is a, a, a nonfiction source of books that summarizes a book. Could be a self-help book, could be a entrepreneurial book, could be a bio biography like Richard Branson, for example. And it summarizes it into 15 minutes worth of blinks, as they call it, basically like chapters and summaries of each part main core principle of the book. For me, it's a game changer in education. It really helps me focus on the things that I know are my weaknesses or even potentially my strengths and allows me to improve upon those. Podcasts are also a great version of this as well. You just don't know necessarily what you're getting with a podcast. If you start a podcast and listen to it, you don't know if you're going to be better or worse for, the, for listening to the the hour of the podcast. I hope this one's a good one. But yeah, with Blinkist, you know that you're going to be reading a book that is going to ultimately help you in an area that you're looking to do. And it's a really powerful tool. And I jumped on this earlier as well, but mentorship is another key thing. I can't stress enough. Are looking up to someone, you're reading their books, their articles, their LinkedIn posts, their Twitter feed, reach out to them. Ask them, send us, I'm really impressed with what you've built, what you've done. Would you have 15 minutes for a quick call just to explain to me what I should be working on? You'll be surprised at how, how many people will say yes and have not been asked that question, to be honest with you as well. What's going on with how you're integrating AI into FX risk management? Yes, Chad. Thanks for having me on the show. Best way to describe the way that we're using AI, we're using it in two ways, right? So the entire team uses it personally for their day-to-day, -day, whether it be writing an email, creating a template for a, a new business line, 
discussing how they're going to penetrate new markets, et cetera. But we're also utilizing it for our business. And when we founded Diago, we didn't know that AI was going to get the resurgence that it has. Obviously, AI has been around for decades, but this first time it came into the mainstream, it really transformed the way that we actually view the way that our users are going to potentially interact with our, with our platform. I'll give you a brief overview of what it is our platform does, and then I'll talk to you about how we're utilizing AI. So Diaglo is a piece of technology that analyzes the impact of foreign currency on a global investment. You can also do it at the corporate level as well, but predominantly if focused on global investment, whether a fund manager is raising capital offshore or deploying capital offshore. And what that, those analytics do is it showcases if you were to hedge or not hedge, what that's going to potentially do to your IR, your internal rate of return. And then we then go into Monte Carlo simulations to suggest how foreign options, NDS forwards will perform in different market environments, right? It's complicated stuff and not many people within the funds have the wherewithal to actually be able to run these analyses themselves. So we were really worried about how we were going to create a UI or a UX that allowed those users to get the best out of our tools, okay? And ultimately utilize them on an ongoing basis comes online. And on, honestly, just an epiphany went off with us and it completely transformed the way that we think about our tool being used by those users. And let me give you a kind of, kind of example. Now you have the ability to create a chatbot that can extract information from the client in a conversational way. So it's now the UX is going to be led by these conversational type LLMs that are able to extract that information and more importantly, disseminate that information and run our tools. Once the tools have been run, there's a deliverable. That deliverable's got information in it and we can now potentially look to actually report on those findings and give the, the user the ability to then take that report and then explain it to stakeholders, shareholders, investors, or even their internal management team to get sign off on these products in a very efficient manner. So that's how we're taking AI in that instance to actually interact. And now it's a part of everything that we do. It's a really big part of it. So that's the first part. Second part is I truly believe is artificial intelligence. LLMs are great and they are a way of disseminating information and very elegantly explaining things to people that may not be able to articulate it in that way. But there's also machine learning and some really interesting things that we can do around trade suggestions as well, which is taking the data, data science, and, and ultimately producing deliverables that are intelligent, that are, used, that are something that a user would not be able to do on their own and almost have the technology act as a co-pilot for them on their investment journey. So now the technology, now you have more interaction with the user. They're actually able to talk to it and then makes the outputs make a little more sense. Correct. And it's truly scalable then, right? I've come from a, a banking background selling foreign currency. I was one of the more sophisticated FX salespeople within the organization. So if I picked up the phone to a cold calling client, they would get a different level of service than it would be from one of the junior brokers on the team, right? So that's now completely level, right? So if someone were to come onto our website and ask the question, I have an investment in Brazil that I'm looking at, I'm worried about the FX risk management the bot knows how to respond as if it was me or one of our risk managers. And I think that's the bit which really excites me about it. Without this, this ability, you can't really truly scale a consultancy firm. And that's where I see the technology becoming super useful. So is your user anywhere from a 
let's say, smaller investor to a fund to what somebody managing a portfolio in a foreign country? Yeah, great question. So we look at the investor network as our client base, right? So what does that mean? So we have investors or LPs, and that's your pension fund, your family, and it could even be a retail investor in the, in the future. We're not going down to that level yet, but the truth is we created the platform so that anyone could invest overseas. Okay. So you start with the LPs, the LPs want to invest in a, a European LP wants to invest in a, a US manager. Okay. The US manager has to now think about what it's like to take that money in, whether it be a payment from euros into dollars or ultimately returning a certain amount of euro with a percentage on top of that to protect that and to make sure that the euro investor is happy. Right. So we work with the LP first. They often introduce us to their fund managers. The fund managers tends to be the nucleus because ultimately they are now going to be potentially investing overseas themselves, right? So they're going to be investing in companies or real estate or debt offshore. And now they have a foreign currency exposure on their end. So lots of different kind of aspects to it. But we look at the investor network as not just the investor, not just the manager, but also the portfolio companies now who also have their own FX risk as well. So does this help you say, all right, this is the currency risk and therefore I need to account for that with these options? Correct. Exactly. So that's where the nuts and bolts of the pre-analytics piece really pays off. A lot of people tend to take this at, as and when they need it. They should be really doing it right at the beginning. They should be understanding whether or not a global investment is truly feasible with the FX risk and the cost of hedging that FX risk right at the beginning of that investment cycle. So you asked an interesting question of who our clients were. So the truth is companies and managers and investors aren't our client. It's the person, it's the individual, right? That's going into it. And that could be an analyst, that could be a CFO, could be a CIO, chief investment officer, could be the portfolio manager, it could be a CEO of a company, right? Whoever's ultimately worried about FX risk or making a decision to invest overseas or expand their company overseas is the, is the user of the platform. But there's ultimately different people at different stages that are going to have to input data and extract data and use that data for their job, for their purpose, right? So a big part of what we're doing is trying to make sure that we can get that information out of those people. It might be three or four people that have to bring that information together. And again, having a chatbot that can extract that data from everyone, organize their thoughts, query them back and say, actually, we need this information. We need this cash flow forecast, et cetera. That is a necessary step that often gets mismanaged. And, and we really truly believe that's where the AI piece can, as I said, sit really nicely and help them extract that information and manage that information. So if our listeners wanted to learn more about your company or reach out, how could they do? Diaglo.com, D-E-A-G-L-O.com is the website. My LinkedIn is always open. Ashley V. Groves is the, uh, the LinkedIn and I'll always answer a question or, or you reach out to me on that. And yeah, happy to do that. If your listeners are interested in the actual product itself, reach out to me on there and I'll put you in front of the demo team. Thank you, Ashley, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Galecki, and I'll see you next time. Yeah.